0: Let's dive right in. Hello, humans. Hello, hello. What is good? Welcome back to the Spirit Filled Real Talk podcast. That is sometimes actually how I talk to different humans in my world, which is so silly. Some get totally caught off guard. Some love it. Some people are like, ooh, that's fun. I've never heard that before. But when you tune in to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast, you also get all of the peculiar that is Juliana. So you're welcome. (laughs) Today, though, we're going to talk about the freedom of self-control, which I know sounds like there's no such thing in that, right? Like, how can self-control bring you freedom? It doesn't sound like there's a correlation of any kind there but there absolutely is. So I want to break that down in a very simplistic form so that you can digest it, okay? So we're gonna unpack really what that is, but I say that self-control equals freedom, right? The more I'm able to be aware of what I'm thinking, the more I'm able to manage my emotions, the more I'm able to reflect on what's being stored up in my heart, the more I'm able to control different reactions or responses, you know, that I might be tempted to to follow that path or, or say that thing or think that thing or ruminate on that thing or give airtime to that thing, right? The more I'm able to be aware of all that and control that, the more freedom I actually experience. Another way to say this is that you're a powerful person. You're not walking around the world giving all of your power away. Huge, 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 huge. So I'm going to give a little backstory about this just some context again to help you digest it and then i'm gonna give you a few things that you can use to apply this or integrate this into your life, okay? So being a powerful person, if you really have heard somebody described as a powerful person, you might just assume that he or she would just be the loudest person in the room, right? Or the most dominating, right? The one that's telling people what to do, the one that people are sort of afraid of because they just know how intense they are. But A different way to see that is actually a powerful person doesn't mean dominating, okay? A controlling, dominating person is actually the opposite of a powerful person. That would be a powerless person, a powerless human, if you will, right? So powerful people actually do not try to control other people. They know that that they can't, actually. You can't control somebody and get the best out of them. You can't control somebody and see them the way God sees them, right? You can't control somebody and and allow them to have their free will. You, You just can't do it, right? God doesn't even do that with us, right? Powerful people do not try to control other people. They know it doesn't work, and it's actually not even their job, right? Like, our job is not to control people. I know this sounds countercultural but it is. Our job is not to control people. Their job is to control themselves and that's where the freedom comes, right? So as a result, they're able to consciously and deliberately create the environment in which they want to live, all right? Now, I know if you're new to this, this is not the most fun word because sometimes when we start doing this inner work, (laughs) when we start waking up to the areas that we've been asleep Right? Or we've been unconscious. We've had broken conscious, broken consciousness. There we go. We we've been lazy. We've been distracted. Right? When we start waking up to those areas, we see that we've consciously been choosing, in a sense, to live in environments that we don't like. We we keep ruminating and thinking about things that we don't like. We keep living in feelings and emotions of anger and frustration and hate, which don't help us at all, right? They actually bring dis-ease to the body, right? Ease is a flow. It's a peace, right? The opposite is dis-ease, right? So it has stress and overwhelm, and the effects of that are are felt, right? And we choose that. We can actually choose not to stay there, particularly when you have connection with God. You do not have to stay in a limited state or environment. You get to choose what you're going to think about. You get to choose what you're gonna focus on and what you want to feel, right? A great way that you've probably heard this said before is do you wanna be right or do you wanna be happy? Right, (laughs) huge, okay? So powerful people don't try to get people to respect them. They create a respectful environment by showing respect or they demonstrate honor because they're honorable, not because the other person deserves it, but because they are honorable. They demonstrate that, right? And they act consistently in responsible, respectful, and loving ways, okay? And that becomes clear then to the people around them, you know, what what they allow, what they tolerate, what they don't, right? So life doesn't happen to these types of powerful people. Powerful people are happening, if you will, and happening all the time. They refuse to be victims of people, of circumstances, of situations, okay? Okay? And what is great is powerful people can actually be who they say they are on a consistent basis. It's insane. And they can also keep their love on consistently, right? So they're not going to choose to be some kind of way until this happens, right? They are able to monitor and manage and control everything that's happening in their soul, but they don't do it. Here's their superpower. They operate with God, not apart from God. Okay, so apart from God, I can do no good thing. Apart from God, I am nothing, right? Okay, so I wanted to give some scripture context to this because really what what being self-controlled helps you do, it helps you be aware of the freedom Of the moment it helps you to be aware and pick up on God's present in the moment it helps you be open and receptive to divine inspiration and wisdom and inspired actions that only are possible in the now they don't happen in the past they don't happen in the future you have your now moments but we often don't live in the present what we're doing instead is we're living through having been domesticated which I'll break that down in a second. We're living through our own limitations maybe that we've put around ourselves whether it's been from trauma or some sort of dysfunction. We're living through our default habits or patterns, right? That we keep showing up and living in. So a lot of times we're not living in the present at all, all right? So here is what the word will will tell us. Okay? Here's how the word adds to this context. Matthew 6:34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what I say to this simply is stop future tripping. <laughs> stop worrying about the future. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to plan everything, right? Because you you have enough to be focusing on today. You need your full energy and capacity to steward what God has given you today, right? You can't be constantly tripping about what's out ahead of you, all right? Isaiah 43, 18, 19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So this is training our focus. Okay, like I know, right? You have a tendency to focus on former things. I know you keep wanting to look backwards. I know you want to compare yourself to successes in the past or failures in the past or relationships gone wrong or relationships that that you've lost. Right? Like I know that you want to compare yourself to different seasons. Right? Or, or to really focus on those former things, but. Those are dead things. I'm not working there. I'm not moving there. I'm doing a new thing. And you're going to miss it if you keep choosing to focus back there, right? So that's teaching and training all of this is teaching and training about having self-control so that you can live powerfully in the moment. Hebrews 13:5 says, "Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have." For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So, the things that we start to worry about and stress about, God is saying, live free from that, choose contentment. The Apostle Paul actually speaks about this he says i've learned to be content whether i'm a based or a bounding right whether i have a lot or a little i've learned to be content with the portion that i have okay which is very again countercultural. the world will say more more hustle do produce right but if god's not on it i don't want it that's what i say all right romans 12 2 i'm gonna give you two more romans 12 2 says do not be conformed to this world But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if we try to train ourselves to model what we've seen work before, if we try to follow a formula that somebody else has presented, right, we're conforming to something, something in the world, right? So it's really important to stay present so you can be aware of God's presence in your life, right? And so that he can guide and establish your steps. He says that your steps are ordered. If your steps are ordered, then you don't need to conform to other steps or just look for this one way to get something done. God will show you. It says in this word, he shows you the path of life, right? So getting with God, is what you can do to actually discern what is his will in the moment. And there's different types. Here's what it says. There's a good, there's an acceptable, and there's a perfect. What will do you want, (laughs) right? There's different levels of access that you can tap into with God. Okay, and then lastly, Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk not as the unwise, but as wise, making best use of the time because the days are evil. Okay, so essentially, this is a time that it really is necessary to be the light, be the light, right? Like there's a lot of dark things happening in the world, okay? but the light outshines all of that. So it's really important that you're connected to the light and that you choose to be that, and you really cannot do that without self-control, all right? So the word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed, okay? Our freedom is to serve God, right? And we can't really embrace that freedom if we keep conforming to the world or if we keep be, keep becoming overwhelmed by the things of the world, okay? So hopefully that gives you some spiritual context, all right, let's see here. Okay, so let me transition. I know that I brought up domestication, so I'm gonna break down like what prevents us from having self-control, things that we might not think that happen, okay? So essentially, we lose our awareness, and without awareness, we really blur our perception. We, we muddy or fog the lens through which we see the world. And then that affects how we operate in it, how we behave, all the things, right? So simply put, domestication is really how you've been groomed, how how you've learned to operate in the world. Like a simple example, picture just a, a grandmother that's, let's say, with her grandson, okay? Maybe at a very early age, this grandmother was demonstrating her influence, and she said, You can't leave the table, grandson, until you finish everything that's on your plate. Okay. So the grandson is learning, okay, this is what I have to do because grandma said so. Right. Now, as he matures, right, he continues that practice even though he's not hungry. Okay, so now he's learning to to eat even when he's not hungry because he can't waste the food or he has to, right? Because that was something that was programmed into him and he never thought about why I'm doing this behavior, right? And then as that continues, he might also judge other people that don't finish all the food on their plate, right? And then just picture going to a restaurant. Sometimes we get massive portions, okay? And it's incredibly uncomfortable if you eat that entire portion. With me? So really what can start to happen is we form beliefs on what we've been exposed to, whether that's our uh, family of origin, whether that's culture, whether that's education and you know educational systems that we've been brought through, whether that's you know job and career and workforce, whether that's different relationships or, or groups that we've had connections with, we form, ideas and beliefs and opinions, okay? And we start living out of those without really being aware of them. They come, They become self-conscious, or subconscious, not self-conscious, they become subconscious, so we don't actually think about what we're thinking about. Crazy, but that's how many live a majority of their life, okay, so let's transition then. Because we have this domestication process happening, that's part of life, right? That is why it's imperative to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's actually a process of self-control, self-discipline, so that you are not conformed to the word, to the world. That's how you're putting this into practice for you. That's how you're integrating the word into your world. Okay? So being a powerful person is being able to be who you say you are on a consistent basis. And you're not really able to do that if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what your mission is, if you don't know what you value. You're not able to be consistent, okay? And other people potentially could tell you who you are or could change who you are because you might allow them to do so. When you're unclear, you often don't set firm boundaries. You often don't have clear standards. For, for how you show up, for how you operate, for what you tolerate, for what you do not, right? And it can get messy real quick <laughs> without that self-awareness, okay? So keep that in mind. A, a powerful person doesn't control other people, they control themselves. They let other people control themselves. Okay, so a powerful person controls themselves and there's freedom in that because then your mind can be at ease, right? Then your soul, you can have soul peace. I call soul peace the peace that God gives you. God gives this shalom peace, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. Can you imagine how freeing that feels when your mind is at ease? When your heart is at rest or at peace, right? Because you're seated in heavenly places with God, so your soul is at ease. Your emotions are stable. You're just centered, right? That comes from God's peace, right? There's nothing like soul peace. That is freedom. And you can live from that place and you can return to it often, right? And that's how you carry and steward the presence of God in the world. It's insane, but that's something you can train yourself to do. Okay, so let me give you a couple of things, because this is deep. This is a big word, and we're just barely even scratching the surface, but I'm going to give you a couple of things to work through this, okay? And this might be one of those episodes that you want to copy the link, screenshot it, remember to come back to it later, because I'm going to give you some questions and some journaling that you can work through. So number one, because of being domesticated because of being a human, right? Like you're exposed to different things. You believe different things. Decide what beliefs work for you. Okay, that's number one. Decide what beliefs work for you. So with this grandmother-grandson example, the grandson can decide, okay, I know grandma told me this because... She didn't want me to be wasteful. She didn't want me to waste food. She didn't want me to put more food on my plate than I could eat, maybe, right? Like she was, she was teaching me something from her perspective, okay? But what is true for me, right? What, what is real for me? What do I believe for me? What feels good for me, okay? Because you have that power, Other people cannot believe for you. Other people cannot feel for you, right? It's interesting how people, you got to pay attention, but people will say, you made me feel this way. Not so. Not true. People can't feel for you, right? They're not in your body. They're not feeling your feelings, right? So that is more to do with why are you feeling that way? What perhaps triggered you? right where where is that coming from dig a little deeper what is that about what's going on before you're so quick to blame and point a finger what's going on with you right so think about that decide what beliefs work for you okay so a great way to break this down would just to, to even be putting down some some basic beliefs maybe that have been challenged in your life or some really big things that you believe or that you feel like you should believe. That's how you can usually find things that that you need to tweak. If you should or you have to, you probably need to tweak those. Okay. But what beliefs are you currently believing that maybe don't feel right for you? Okay. And then decide what do you want to believe? And then if you're a believer, (laughs) does that, is that true? Is that true? Right. Does that align with God's word? Is that what God says? Right. So you can take it deeper. Is that, does that feel right? Okay? Cuz what's true for other people isn't always true for you, but a lot of times we don't examine that and we live, right, with this broken consciousness or we live with this this limited consciousness and that affects who we are in the world. So that's a big one. Decide what beliefs work for you and that can be again as simple as writing down some common beliefs that you have. Think about different life areas that you have, whether that's health related, work related, uh spiritually related, whatever, write down core beliefs, maybe for different life areas. And then on the other side, write down what you, what feels right, what belief actually feels right for you. Maybe they align, maybe they don't, but it's really important that you actually decide what beliefs work for you and let other people do the same, (laughs) right? When you choose to be a self-controlled person, you then allow people to do their own work without stepping in and doing their heavy lifting for them. Powerful. Okay. Number two, Check your attachments. Check your attachments. Because we we are domesticated, that can move into an attachment of some kind too. So I'll break that down. Maybe you grew up in the the Midwest in a middle-class home, right? There might be certain things that you value. You might value like safety, let's say, right? Like you go to school, you get a degree, you stay at this job, you stay there until retirement, and then after retirement, right? Like This might be what you've been attached to, is this certain way that life has to be, okay? But if anything shifts (laughs) in that flow, you lose yourself and life becomes incredibly overwhelming and you don't know what to do because that was the way, right? So check your attachments. Attachments aren't always possessions, which we typically think, but they can also be people. We can be attached to people, Uh, ideas, opinions, beliefs. So it's really important to be able to check your attachments because then what you can do is you can actually view yourself as an authentic self. You in and of yourself are God's creation, right? Like before you were a partner or a spouse, before you were a son or a daughter, before you were, you know, a, a businessman or a businesswoman, before you were this teacher or this leader, before whatever, you were still this authentic, unique creation of God, right? So before any of this other stuff got put on you, you were still somebody. All right. So I want to hold up an exercise that you can do to start noticing what you're attached to and to start pulling. Well, I guess another way to say that is to release your grip from your attachments so that you don't have to be trying to control or manipulate things in your life. Okay. All right. So this is what you can do on a blank sheet of paper. You can write down any attachment that you have, whether it's a person, an idea, an opinion, a belief, a possession, anything maybe that's being challenged in your life. Just write that down. And then these are the questions that you would ask maybe if you do it over each item. But these are the questions that you're going to ask. Number one, why do you feel so strongly about this person, item, belief, opinion, possession, why do you feel so strongly about it? You know, in the world right now, we're seeing a lot of many things coming up that people have ideas and opinions and beliefs about, right? Their their very sense of identity, right? Their ideas, their beliefs, their, their opinions, they're all being challenged and a lot of people don't know how to manage that because they're so used to being attached to one thing and being locked into that. So why do you feel so strongly about this item? Number two, what sense of security does it give to you? So a lot of times people could be in unhealthy relationship attachments for security. Okay, so I'm, you know, you might be in this connection because you don't believe, for example, that you're secure on your own, or that you can be, that that's even possible, right? Like that's not an idea or belief that you have. Just giving you examples, right? But what sense of security does it give to you? Number three, how is this attachment tied to your identity or sense of self? So I see this a lot. If folks are single or unmarried and don't have kids, they feel like they're not somebody in and of themselves, right? Like they don't feel enough. They don't feel like life is unfolding the way it's meant to, um, that, that they, they're they missing something, right? So they could feel anxious. They could feel uh, worried or fearful that that's not going to happen for them. They could feel like their time's running out. I'm just trying to think through things that I've heard, right? But how is this attachment tied to your identity or your sense of self? So this could be a job. You know, the best way to think about this is if it were removed, what would happen? (laughs) You'll know quickly how that's tied to your sense of self. Number four, how does this attachment boost your ego? Okay, so this is often with possessions. I've got to drive this car. I have to live in this zip code. I have to have this kind of house. I've got to have these many cars, right? Like I've got to, you know, be able to travel to these places. I got to be seen by these connections. How does it boost your ego? All right. Number five. Yeah, five. Are you pleased to show this attachment to others, or is it an attachment that you show no one and secretly feel special for having? Okay. Number six, does owning this possession or item, attachment, make you feel more attractive than others, wealthier, more secure, more intelligent, or more spiritual? Okay, so asking yourself these questions, again, you can go through this list of questions with any person, idea, opinion, belief, or possession that you have, and it will be really empowering for you to do so because when you lay it out like this, there's no right or wrong answer, and the whole point is to explore your deeper attachment with things, okay? It helps you really navigate feelings and emotions in a different way. And so if you were, for example, (laughs) this is hypothetical, but to imagine that a certain attachment or item or idea or belief no longer existed in your life, how would you feel? What would your life be like without it? Who would you be without that item? Okay. And then after you explored that, I know this is kind of deep, here is what you can take yourself through then. Is this attachment affecting your relationships with other people in your life? So for example, if somebody recognizes that they're a workaholic, maybe that's affecting their relationship with their spouse, with their children, with um, any other relationship in their life, quite frankly. Is your attachment causing you to play it safe and not pursue other things that you really want? So somebody, again, staying at a job that they don't like because that fit their paradigm, Right? That they might actually be called to be an entrepreneur or a leader in a totally different space, right? And it's causing them to to play it safe because they're more afraid of, of stepping out. Can you think of any items, or I'm sorry, can you think of any times when you've altered your actions because of this item or because of this attachment? How does this attachment? affect your personal freedom. So sometimes in dysfunctional relationships, for example, if there is codependency, if there is people pleasing, if there is some sort of psychological abuse, emotional abuse, that stuff going on, there can be a loss of personal freedom. Right, and, and a lot of that could be subconscious and not intentional at all, but that could happen because you've built your life so much on making somebody else happy or trying to cater to them and you never centered yourself. You were never clear on who you were as an authentic self and you lost that in the context or in the vehicle of that relationship. So you could feel like you don't have freedom, which isn't true, but you feel that way. And then finally, do you want to keep this level of attachment? Like, Is it safe? Is it healthy? Is it good for you? Do you want to decrease it or even let it go? The choice is always yours. So that is the power of this exercise of just checking your attachments and see how attached you are to things. See if it's actually shifted your identity in some kind of way. See if there's a ton of fear connected to it. Just see what is happening there because it really helps you see who you are as a unique and authentic self apart from those things, right? Like, are you attached to a particular role that you play, for example? How would you feel if that role changed? Or are you attached to how you look? What if your appearance changed, right? Are you attached to a physical object? Who would you be without that object? So you'll find that like most people, there's different levels of attachment that you have with different things and simply becoming aware which is wild, but simply becoming aware of these attachments is a big step in releasing their power over you or you being conscious enough to not give your power away to those things. Okay, so ultimately what's being highlighted here is that your truth is greater than any relationship item, opinion, idea. You are greater than that. Okay, so backtracking a second, number one. Decide what beliefs work for you. So what's deeper on this one is just recognize that sometimes we believe things that were true for other people but aren't true for us. And part of just being a mature and powerful person or growing up in Christ is deciding what beliefs actually work for you, okay? And not putting that work on anybody else. Number two is checking your attachments by going through that deep work that I just walked you through. And then lastly, number three, is choosing to be powerful by by doing some of those things that I was sharing right at the intro of this podcast, controlling yourself, okay? Not not everything that happens is is, you know, your response required. You don't have to respond to everything that happens. You don't always have to be accessible. You, you don't always have to give airtime to different things that are being vented before you. You don't have to expose yourself to certain environments, right? You can actually control yourself. You don't have to allow other people to take your power away or to make decisions for you. You can do that for yourself. Okay, then consciously and deliberately create the environment you want to live in. Okay, so maybe you can't change your work environment right now. Maybe you can't just like up and move from your home. But that's not exactly what I'm highlighting here. I'm highlighting... The more you center yourself or develop self-centering techniques and practices and integrate those into your life, and some of that is trial and error. You could try something like a deep breathing exercise and be like, yeah, that really worked for me. You could listen to some soaking worship music and be like, yes, I need that in certain times. Sometimes you need to go out and just run you know other times you need to just go on a solo retreat somewhere sometimes you just need to get in the bathtub like there's different things and as you explore them and practice them you'll start to to build tools that work for you that you can access but one of the things that i would say with this to consciously and deliberately create the environment you want to live in this is my god's vibes matter this is deciding to align with god to make quality time to fellowship with god every day so that I can tune myself to him or really that he can fine tune me (laughs) to operate out of him and his nature and to really become aware again of what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. I can't do that if I'm not connected to God. So having this non-negotiable God time is key. Okay. And depending on how connected to God, I want to be, that's up to me. So if I need God in my life, if I am hungry and desperate for God, I got to put more time there, right? Like that's my priority. That's a non-negotiable, like five minutes ain't going to cut it for me. Like I need more than a scripture to get through my day. Right? So that's an example. Be who you are on a consistent basis. Get clear. What is that vision, what does that mean to be who you are on a consistent basis? To that, I would say you've got to know what you value. Like, do you value autonomy? Do you value connection? Do you value integrity? Do you value honor? Do you value courage? What do you value? And then are you living consistent with that? And then what can you put in your life? What strategies, what structure can you put in your life to help you show up as you on a consistent basis? Because that takes practice, that takes work. It doesn't just happen by default. If there's anything that you can learn, Life, inevitably, <laughs> right? You will drift if you're not deliberate and conscious. You will drift through life, okay? You will you will choose default modes. You will fall back into subconscious habits into whatever consciousness you have if you are not intentional and deliberate about changing, all right? And then the last two things I would say are keep your love on. And the best way to do this is pay attention when you turn your love off. Pay attention when you turn your love off. I was challenged um, in a call the other day that I had, and it was really about protection. So in my own story, I grew up learning to protect myself, right? But do I have to play that role if God is my protector? Interesting, right? Like that changes things. So keeping your love on, I couldn't really keep my love on because I would have to choose to protect myself in certain situations. Okay. But if I know I'm protected, I show up differently and I can choose consciously to keep my love on knowing that I'm safe. Right. And that takes wisdom and discernment and so much more, but just as an example for you there. And then lastly, repent. Sometimes we can't show up as a powerful person because we have paradigms blocking us and God can expose those and show us what those are. Sometimes we have trauma that is blocking us and we if we keep concealing it we can never heal it. And ultimately if you have this unhealed trauma, it will continue to traumatize you. Okay? So repenting, turning from things, working with God to trans on his transformation work that he's doing in your life, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where it starts, right? But as he's changing your mind and your thoughts He's changing your entire being so that it comes into agreement with what he looks like. All right. So super, super powerful. I know this is a deep one, (laughs) but if you are on an inner journey, if you can see and understand that self-control does actually act equal freedom and you're having trouble in that area... I do have a self-mastery course over at Julianapage.com. It's called U2.0, and it's really about doing deep work here, and it's self-paced. It can be done in six weeks. I mean, you can do it quickly if you want to, but to really get the benefit, you can space it out. And then I also work one-on-one with folks as well to do this type of work so that you can become unstoppable, right? To, to really be free of hurts, habits, and hangups that you have to actually be what God had in mind. So if that's of interest, make sure that you go and you visit julianapage.com. You can also, when you go to that website, a pop-up will come up where you can subscribe to my newsletter. You'll also get a free download the daily five things that I do every day that help me stay centered so you can get some ideas there. But once you sign up for that, you will get all the updates about when new books are coming out soon, 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 and other things to to be aware of. So make sure that you do that if you haven't. And until next time, guys, stay blessed.